Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Well, it is that time. Brian Driscoll, irishbreakdown.com. Going to jump on and continue some Notre Dame football conversation. Gorgeous day to be uh, out at the Blue Gold game Saturday, huh? Oh, it was. And it was even better for me because I was kind of indoors a little bit. Uh huh. But it was like an open area. So Indoor, outdoor. Nice beautifulness, but then also not get the sunburn. Nice. Very nice. Great combination. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, well, let's, let's just jump right in and talk about Drew Pine. Um, pretty up and down day for him. What did you see as the biggest culprits? Well, you know, let me, let me ask you this first of all, because you were, you know, Darren and I were calling the game. So, you know, we did have the window open so we could tell more than probably if you were sitting in the regular press box, you know, like just how windy it, it, it Mm -hmm. seemed out there. How? How much impact do you, do you think that had, you know, the, the wind may have had, and then just kind of continue with, you know, your, your, your overall what you thought of Drew Pine's day? I really didn't think the wind played a factor into it, Sean, to be honest with you. I, I look at Drew, and I, the wind doesn't impact the footwork, and he was rushing throws. And he right. Was I talked about that as well. Not yeah. seeing guys come open and you know, all those type of things that aren't impacted by like maybe a couple deep balls might have, but he didn't really throw the ball down the field because the wind really impacts you the way it was Saturday. If you're throwing it like vertically, well, the best throw he made all day was a vertical throw. It was called back by a penalty, but it was the yeah, throw he, true. he made to Michael Mayer. Right. He was missing on like throwing the ball over a running back's head three, you know, five yards in front of him. Yeah. Right. It was rushing his footwork. It was rushing his mechanics. It was just, he was either going through his reads too slow or too late. And I think those were bigger issues. He just didn't look comfortable. And 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 that's what was weird, John. That that's not what we expected from Drew Pine. I mean, we saw him against Wisconsin and Cincinnati last year look poised and confident and handling the offense and we we just didn't see that guy. You know, and we talked last week about this being an opportunity for him with with no Tyler Buckner because he was going to get more reps and I think everyone saw it as an opportunity but mm-hmm. I think we also on Friday talked about his emotions and that how that can kind of affect him a little bit um just looking at him it, it almost looked like maybe he was just trying too hard at times as well would you agree with that yeah and I think that's been an issue for him all spring You know, know, where I come down, Sean, is I've said this. You you know my stance on this. I don't care about spring games. I don't. I remember when Nate Montana won an MVP and Montgomery (laughs) Van Gorder outplayed Deshaun Kaiser. Right. Right. But here's here's where it becomes an issue. When you hear something that's been a trend all spring and then you see it in the game, that's where I get more concerned. And that's what our intel had been telling us really all spring. Every time I talked about the quarterbacks, it was – you know, Drew's just really not himself. He's been struggling. He's turning the ball over a lot. He doesn't look comfortable. He's 
not you not you know, tacking down the field as consistently. Then you see it in the game. You're like, okay, there's something off here. And I think it, it, you know it could go back to the original thing you said, Sean, which is, you know, last year he wasn't really in the quarterback battle. It was it was it was Jack Cones. I mean, it, we we all know that. We said it all along. You can say it's a battle all you want, but Jack Cones going to be starter barring injury. Right. This year he's really in it. You know, and he's played, and he has he has you know a legitimate shot to win it. And I wonder if that was kind of thing. He just was pressing, like, I have to go make this play. And then that just gets you all out of sorts, and he just wasn't able to recover. And hopefully, you know, now you take a step away and you're able to kind of clear your head and finish school and get home and all that. Hopefully, by that point in time, he will he will have kind of been able to clear his head a little bit and, and come back and get back to being the Drew Pine that, you know, did as well as we saw him do last year in limited opportunities well and I think a question that a lot of people have right now is how concerned should they be if you know assuming Tyler Buckner is the starter if he were to be injured during the season you know how concerned should they be about that prospect I'm not concerned yet because I still put more value in what Drew Pine did against Wisconsin and Cincinnati than what I do than than value I put on what he did in April and I've always felt that way I mean and, and I you know, I said the same thing in 2015. People are like, boy, because Mal- we, we've been here before, right? Deshaun Kaiser was awful in the 2015 spring game. And the conversation was, boy, if Malik Zaire gets hurt, Notre Dame's in trouble. And I said the same thing then. I'll say, now they're going to be fine. It's a spring game, right? He still is who he is. A bad spring, a bad month of April doesn't all of a sudden mean Drew Pine is not what he's been his whole career at Notre Dame and why they recruited him in the first place. You know, now, if this continues in the fall and I'm getting intel two to three weeks into fall camp that Drew Pine is still struggling, then I'll get concerned. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just not concerned yet because – and I'm not putting my head in the sand. I'm going off what we've seen. This, is, this isn't the first time this has happened. When Malik Zaire ended up getting hurt – Sean Kaiser did all right. <laughs> you know, he, he played pretty well that yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was arguably the the best football team that Notre Dame has had the last 15 years. So I'm not I'm not concerned yet. N- knowing Drew is I, I would hope he'll put in the work, get his mind right and come back and be ready to to be himself in in the fall. Yeah, absolutely. Not a lot in terms of running the football. Um just about three and a half yards per carry pretty much across the board for both teams let's kind of split this let's talk about the offensive line first that you know they obviously everybody was split you didn't have a whole unit together what what did you think overall of what you saw from the offensive linemen out there I liked what I saw from the line and and the big thing for us is you know we talked about it last week and and Vince and I talked about it on our show as well and and it was I'm not super concerned about execution as much I mean it matters and I know Harry Heastan always cares about that but for me it wasn't about that, you know, because the, the starting line wasn't going to be out there together and, and there's all types of reasons and they're overcoming certain aspects of it. But I wanted to see them compete. I wanted to see them battle. I want to see them play hard. I want to see them driving their feet through contact. And, and those are the things I saw on Saturday. You know, the execution wasn't great. The defense, I thought, played really well against the run. Uh, they were very gap conscience and conscious and and executed at a high level D line played great. Yeah. It's one of the best D lines in the country. And in, in our, in my opinion, uh, the linebackers looked great, especially for the blue squad. Brandon Joseph looked like an all American safety. I mean, so there's some reasons I thought the running backs grinded hard, but I, you know, the, the line's got to get better. It was a very vanilla offensive game plan. There yeah, was no pushing the sure. ball down the field. We didn't see the quarterback run. I mean, there was a couple times, let's be honest, couple of those backside crashes where the guy came off the edge of Tyler Buckner's a game he's pulling that and running for 30 yards yeah you know so there was some of that as well so I just 
I wanted to see the compete level, Sean, and we saw an improved compete level. We saw guys working their feet. We saw some fight, and I care more about that. I know Harry Hesan probably doesn't want to hear that, but for me, <laughs> I care more about that than I do they didn't execute inside zone correctly or they weren't getting off to the second level yet. I'll care more about that in the fall than I do in April. Yeah, and uh, you know the running backs were the beneficiary of you know, some short passing game, and you know again they didn't have big numbers just simply running the football but I thought that there was some good stuff that we saw from those guys what'd you see you know I think sometimes Sean you can learn a lot more about a running back when he doesn't have giant holes to run through you mm -hmm. know we saw Chris Tyrena's first carry made a great read to kind of get through the hole and then bounce it outside on a counter play so Audric Estime turned a couple plays where it looked like he was going to get minus two into plus four you know, those are the things that you can see. And then, of course, in the past game, like you mentioned, there was certainly some impactful plays. And I thought Audrey Estime ran really well. Numbers won't blow you away, but he was the most effective runner of the guys that got more than two carries. He averaged, you know, four and a half yards a carry. And then, you know, Jadarian Price didn't do a whole lot in the run game. I think it was like 12 yards on nine carries, but he had over 100 yards receiving. Yeah. And we saw some explosiveness there. So the running backs were everything I, I thought they would be. When you consider the circumstances, I thought they looked good. And obviously, we didn't see a ton of Chris Tyreen, a ton of Logan Diggs. But, you know, I believe you and I discussed this last week. You know, all the shows kind of blend together sometimes. But I, I know <laughs> on some show last week, I said, I don't really care what, about Chris Tyree and Logan Diggs. I, I feel like I know what they can do. I want to see Audric Estime and Jadarian Price show me something. And I thought they both did. Yeah, I'm really, especially for, you know, for, for a bigger back that Estime is, I really like his footwork, just the way his yeah. feet move. It's, it's, He's a nimble guy. Yeah, there was a guy like that. Oh, a number of years ago, real big guy that played fullback that had some really nimble feet. And I'm trying to remember what his name is. Something like <laughs> is he on campus oh, right now? Is yeah, he, is he's he, in. He's in. He's getting his working taking on classes or something. Dame. Yeah, yeah. Number six, Nickname. maybe. Oh, Jerome Bettis. That's it. That's <laughs> right. right. That's that's who. It is. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Brian Driscoll with us from IrishBreakdown.com. We talked a little bit about. Jaden Thomas last week he made a couple of plays out there did yeah. you come away with maybe you know some some more you know higher hopes for him than maybe you would have thought going in well I didn't really have any hopes at all going in that was the thing is like <laughs> I think you know, we had same. heard all the yeah we had heard all these things about how well he did in the in the practices leading up to the bowl game and 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 all these but you know then we'd get to the the very few practices we were allowed to be at and we didn't really get a chance to see anything, right? So it was like, well, I hear good things, but I don't know what the kid can do. He was injured. I mean, he played as a senior, but he had like a, a bad turf toe issue. So he was kind of slow and not explosive, which tells you a lot about his toughness, right? Because mm -hmm. let's be honest, in this day and age, there's a lot of guys that probably would have just sat out and said, hey, I'm going to start thinking about my future. But he battled through it. So it was nice to see him out there performing. And then the, the surprise for me, because he's a bigger bodied kid. He's smooth. You talked about with Audrey yeah. Estime. I was surprised how elusive. I mean, he made Ramon Henderson look bad on that one that one play where he just kind of juiced. He uh -huh. froze him, stabbed inside, and then just outran him, caught a screen pass, and then kind of cut back outside. I didn't realize he had that in him because of, you know, again, senior year, he just didn't have any explosiveness because of the foot injury. So that was a really pleasant surprise to see Jaden Thomas, not just that he played well, but the things he was doing that I didn't know he really had in him that was the really encouraging thing for me. Yeah. Defensively, Al Golden, first defense. You touched on some of the different units a second ago. Just your thoughts on what you saw schematically from Al Golden's first defense. 
wasn't a super complex defense. You know, we saw some some diversity from alignment. You know, some under fronts, over fronts. It looked like I don't know if uh, call them like you know double eagle fronts, but sort of like a three man front with like two guys on the edge. You know, we saw mixing up coverages a little bit. It wasn't super complex. What what I liked about it, Sean, was is it was a, it was aggressive within a relatively basic framework, which is, you know, they brought some edge fires and, you know, they brought the safeties down and, but they were super gap, gap conscious. That's what I thought helped so much against the run game was, you know, everybody says, Hey, this is your gap fight hard to win in your gap. And I thought that the defensive line thrived in that really well. I thought the linebackers and safeties flew around the field for the most part. I think the biggest thing for me too, was there was plenty of opportunities for the tackling to be a problem. And it wasn't really for the most part, with yeah. the exception of a couple plays. And we mentioned the one where, where Ramon Henderson got juked by Jaden Thomas. But I thought the tackling was sound. The biggest thing for me, Sean, is one of the things that I observed about last year's team is it was really fast. And I thought it was coached well. You know, there's a couple moments here and there where they, you know, they were obviously still adapting, but I thought it was coached relatively well. There were two things about last year's team that I didn't love. They weren't very good tacklers, mm-hmm. which the two previous teams weren't really good tacklers. The 2019 defenses weren't great tacklers either. And and the other part was they weren't a super physical defense last year. They were talented and athletic and rangy, but they weren't a super physical team. True. There wasn't a lot of big thumps. I thought the defense, more than anything, the physicality is something that I really liked from them. And then, of course, not just tackling in space, but so much of tackling is about taking proper angles and flying to the football and just not leaving it. Hey, if you make one guy miss, that's okay because I got two other dudes that are coming to each side of you. You've got nowhere to go. We saw a lot of that on Saturday. And and I thought that was very encouraging because the thing about a spring game is sometimes it's like, well, this side didn't play well, so that's bad. Well, no, they didn't run the ball great because the defense played really well. Yeah. And I think that's more what I what I liked is is when the offense made big plays, it was guys stepping up and making plays. And when they couldn't, it was because the defense was playing really well. And honestly, at the end of the day, that's really what you want to see out of a spring game. You don't want to see one side dominating over the other. That usually says more about maybe the other side that's getting dominated not being that good than it does about that one unit being good. Sure. With a few exceptions like the 2017 O-line. But I, I really liked what I saw from Al Golden's defense and – you know, the defensive line playing as well as they did fundamentally, technically, just goes to show that with, you know, Mike Elson did a great job at Notre Dame for years, but Notre Dame's not missing a beat without Washington and, you know, perhaps could even be better at that position, which is, it says a lot about Marcus Freeman, too. It is hard to replace someone who had the success Mike Elson had. Right. And then say, you're just as good, if not better. And I think that's exactly what he did at the defensive line yeah, position. Yeah, a lot of good, a lot of good stuff that came out of that. And I mean, to, to your point about the tackling, I think everyone was was frustrated last year watching it because you'd see guys get to posi- you know get in the right position, but then whiff on a tackle, and like that's one of the knocks that I've heard on Kyle Hamilton right mm-hmm. now is he would you know come downhill, get there, and then you know he's like so aggressive that he's missing the tackle once he gets right. there, and there was just it wasn't just it wasn't limited to him last year so I, that's that's a great point yeah, it's it's a great agreed. sign that you we, you know we've already just seen last year yeah it's, it's been i mean i go back to the louisville game to kick off the 2019 season i mean go to the michigan game in 2019 you know that this is this has been a problem i think for a few years uh and at least for this game it looked like they've definitely taken steps to kind of rectify the problem in a number of different ways but the best way to be good at tackling is to swarm to the ball yeah 
to where if the first guy misses, as soon as you make your juke to make that first guy miss, somebody else is drilling you. And that's something that I really liked from Saturday. One final thought. Uh, the two kickers, Josh Bryan, Blake Groupie, they missed hmm. combined to miss three out of four field goals, and they weren't long field You know, 38, no. 41, 47 was the longest. That's uh, that's a pretty big concern to me <laughs> right big time. now. Well, again, it goes back to I could I could I could spin this right and say, well, look, that was more affected by the wind than the quarterback play. Right. And and I think there is something to that in in theory, but the misses they had were not like I had it right, but the wind pushed it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, they weren't close. I mean, they started out and stayed out, you yeah. know what I mean? And I think that's the bigger concern for me. And the second concern I have is this isn't the first time that that's reared its ugly head, according to the people that I've talked to. This has been right. an issue all, many times, including sometimes you guys were there, but also sometimes I had, you know, people that I knew that were at practices and it's like, you know, I mean, kicker started off okay, made their first three or four, but then they just started missing. And that's, that's problematic. And like the punting wasn't great either. But you had the the starting goalie for the soccer team out there kicking as the punter on Saturday, and he had some nice ones and some not nice ones, which you expect from a guy who's – this isn't his primary sport. But you could say, look, the, they got a freshman punter coming in on scholarship. They got a kid coming in uh, from Harvard that's transferring in. So, like, their starting punters or the battle for the punter weren't there on Saturday. You can't say that about kicker. Right. These are the two guys you're going to roll with. And it was also you kicked, the, you kicked one out of bounds. It – it was it was concerning. It was yep. concerning. So they're gonna have to. That's definitely have to get that figured out because that that that's the kind of thing that'll lose you a game. And you know, we talk about these big games to win, and yep, and that's you, you can't afford to do that. You go on the road at Ohio State. You're already a yep. ten and a half point underdog as of as of right now. Yep. You know you obviously yep. you know you can't miss a, a couple of chip shot field goals and think that you're right. going to hang around on the road in a game like that. Well, I mean, and that's what I loved about that, you know, that 2015 team, you go down to Clemson and I mean, the one thing about Justin Yunus, he may not have had a huge, huge leg, but he was automatic. I mean, he was money. You just mm-hmm. knew. And you think about the 48 yard field goal in the rain against Clemson. It's like, I'm nervous about a 35 yard field goal in perfect conditions at this point in time, you know, and that's definitely not because that also then affects your play calling. Hey, we got to take a shot here because we're not in good field goal range, and sometimes that can then lead to, you know, hey, we tried to take a chance because we didn't trust our kickers, and uh-huh. it results in a turnover or a mistake or a sack or whatever. And it can really have an impact on more than just your kicking. It can have an impact on decisions that you make or execution aspects of it when it comes to your offense and defense as well. And that's just not that's not where we're going to be. But look, Brian Mason is 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 an excellent special teams coach, and I'm sure that you know Blake Groupie has a strong history as being more consistent than what we've seen. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to give him another chance in the fall, but I don't leave the spring with the warm and fuzzies about the place kicking situation. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, the dimensions <laughs> of the football field for Blake Groupie are still the same. It's just That's that right. the stakes are a lot higher at Notre Dame compared yeah, exactly. to Arkansas I mean, the State. crowds are going to be a little bigger and a little louder. Yes. <laughs> and there's a lot more on the line. <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, no, no doubt about it. That's exactly no right. All right, Brian Driscoll, irishbreakdown.com. What else you got going on over there right now? Well, in about 40 minutes, we're going to start a live show on our Irish Breakdown YouTube channel. We're going to carry the announcement of 2023 offensive lineman Sam Pendleton, who's going to make a decision tonight between Notre Dame, Michigan, Florida, and NC State. So we'll talk about that. If they get him, we'll talk about what it means for Notre Dame. If they don't get him, we'll talk about what they do next. So uh, you can join us on our YouTube channel at 630. And then, of course, lots of updates on 
this past week against visitors. And I'm going to kind of talk about sort of a post-spring look at the team, some breakout players, what we learned, that type of stuff. So I'll have that all week at irishbreakdown.com as well. Okay, sounds good. And we'll have Ryan Roberts on tomorrow, and we'll talk about what happens with that commitment tonight. And he's super fired up. This is draft week for Ryan. He's really – That's right. Hey, dude, you got some recruiting you got to handle this week too. Like, oh, yeah, I know. I got it. He's got it all going on. That's right. All right. right. Sounds good. Thanks as always, Brian. I'll talk to you later. Thanks for having me on. Yep, absolutely. Brian Driscoll, IrishBreakdown.com. We'll take a timeout. We come back. Sox are uh, White Sox uh, battling the injuries right now. We'll talk about that. Bobby Hensley, he's on his way back from Talladega. He'll join me for rapid fire in the 6 o'clock hour. Yes, he does have a driver in the car with him. So uh, he will join me and we'll talk about uh, what he saw at Talladega as well as other topics from the NFL draft to uh, baseball and more that's coming up in the 6 o'clock hour. It's Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 